Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. Matt Harmon and I are back. It is, I almost said it is May, but it is actually April and I am proud of myself for correcting myself. (laughs) It's April. The NFL draft is one week away. There are needs to discuss. Twitter has been a fire regardless of the quarantine. I almost feel like football Twitter has been more lit now than they would be regularly in a non-corona situation. I think that's probably right because, I mean, people don't have anything else to distract themselves with. So also, but it's weird, though, because like even this version of the draft cycle is so less news heavy because there's no like pro days. There's an occasional like virtual meeting or whatever but there's also no parties except for Dak Prescott but like there's no way to really get in trouble other than like breaking a quarantine rule yeah yeah that's true too yeah you're really uh if you're out there drunk driving like you're doing a few you're doing a few things wrong uh so yeah that makes a lot of sense but yeah I I find like being on Twitter to be the weirdest this is probably i mean this is always true being on twitter is a very weird experience but this is probably the weirdest time to be on twitter because it's like three tweets about some random goofball running back and like then it's like oh here's all these reported deaths or here's a protest going on in michigan about the the coronavirus i'm like god this it's just it's an inescapable reality and it's also just like Man, hit me with some more of that existential dread uh, being on Twitter. It's like worse than ever. It's 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 awful. Everything. I think that like social media breaks are making a lot of sense because I'll I'll, like be in my world, in my works, like in my tiny little bubble of existence and just having my life and then turn on the TV or check my phone and I'll be thinking about the NFL draft. Right. I'll be thinking like, huh, I wonder. I wonder what Washington's going to do in the draft because they need everything. We're going to talk about the NFC needs in a, in a minute. And then I'll like get an alert on my phone and be like, oh, so that's that's a great number or that's a great stat or, <laughs> yeah. or what what the hell's going on? You know, in I have family in the Midwest. The Midwest seems like it is mm-hmm. uh, certainly having some opinions right now. So I agree. Taking yeah, breaks from the social media, though. I, I also like the the blurring of the line of like what. So because for so long, you're like, oh, Instagram isn't real life. Twitter isn't real life. And like now I'm like, well, my life is my life. Real life. Yeah, is, is this anything real? Life? real? <laughs> <laughs> is anything real? I mean, yeah, that, that's a that's a really good point. It's like kind of the only way that we can sort of have like a communal experience is on social media. But the 
It's the worst place to have it. It's the worst place to have it. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. And also, I don't know if you feel this way too, Liz, but like I've definitely found myself even like within my work, like writing an article, like here, you know, you really got to hope that Todd Gurley this coming season. And in my head, I'm like, who cares? Part of me is like, who cares? Who cares about any of this stuff right now? I, no, I, I think uh, I've gone the opposite with that. Like, I am so grateful to see a business running, to see something, like, to see some structure. To me, it's like a, a touchstone of, like, normalcy in an otherwise completely, like, we'll be, we'll see what happens after the draft in May because at least there's been a distraction. Like, I can sit down and watch highlights of, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire just, like, blazing against Alabama and be like, oh, I know, I like, okay, like, this seems normal and it's in the past, but I would yeah. be doing this anyway. And then, it, so I don't know, it, it's uh, the routine of that has, has helped keep me a little bit in a, in a normal routine. But anyway, if y'all are having any, cause clearly Matt and I don't, don't know anything anymore. We don't know what side is up, down, left or sideways. So if you guys listening have any like tips for surviving the quarantine, feel free to send them our way. You know, our Twitter handles or send them to at Yahoo fantasy, send them to Atlas Lowe's underscore FF at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Cause I'd like to hear what other people outside of there's a lot of podcasts listening outside of listening to podcasts and going to walks what you all are are doing and cooking although if you're cooking like tell me your recipes because i do that now apparently too i used a cast iron skillet for the first time in my life last night wow that is, i mean i know Liz, like a calendar year ago you were asking <laughs> me is it okay to cut brussels sprouts with a steak knife <laughs> True. No, it's not actually. And so you've made a you've made a lot of a lot of progress. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. So uh, progress is what these NFL teams hope to have in the 2020 season, assuming, as Matt alluded to earlier, there actually is one. We talked about the AFC team needs and from a fantasy perspective, what that meant last week. Let's talk about the NFC this week. We're going to start with Washington. That powerhouse of offense and defense. They have the number two overall pick. I actually think this is going to be a, quote, fun one to watch because as we discussed many months ago, right, I, I believe like during the coaching interviews at in Indianapolis at the Combine, like it would not surprise me if Washington trades down to just collect a bunch of picks, though passing on a talent like Chase Young's and the potential that he brings would seem a little bit bananas. Yeah, I mean, their biggest need is edge rusher. And he's a guy who's been pretty much throughout the process, like everybody's number one player in the draft, you know, outside of quarterback, which is just, you know, it's tough to judge. But I, I thought it, passing him up would be tough. But I think if they get a great offer, they absolutely should trade down. My gut says they stick it to and they take Chase Young. But you're right. This is a fun one to watch, too, because like especially from a fantasy perspective, mm -hmm. I, I mentioned last week that uh, I wrote a piece like the weakest wide receiver depth charts. And then this week I did one for running backs. Washington, I think they might be the only team that's on both lists. And I mean, so there's a chance that they could take one or two players that like we actually care about in fantasy, especially at receiver, because like if you squint at their core, you can see like, okay, they got a good number one in Terry McLaurin. They've got, you know, the goat possession receiver, Kelvin Harmon, my cousin, and even Steven Sims was doing some fun things as a slot receiver. But that is like assuming they all hit their potential, which is no guarantee. They also no longer have a tight end though. So there yes. is a potential for three ads for fantasy purpose. Now, you know, obviously we talked about 
this year's tight end draft class, not nearly as deep as last year's ones. I, I have to admit, I haven't watched a ton of Adam Troutman tape. But it is queued up. It's something I'm going to do. Cole Kmet out of uh, Notre Dame seems to be the overall number one prospect. But wide receiver, they do need because, as you mentioned, like it's it's pretty shallow there. Uh, no Jordan Reed. They lost Vernon Davis to retirement in the offseason. So they need pass catchers and O-linemen. My goodness. Yeah. like. You now have Dwayne Haskins slash Kyle Allen slash Tua <laughs> at quarterback. You're going to want to protect any of these, all of these investments. And they also do not have a second round pick. So correct, good point. They, that that's an, that's something where they again they should look to trade down because they have a bevy of needs on defense, a lot of youth and inexperience, and then their backfields like the weird the weirdest collection mm-hmm. of guys ever. You've got Adrian Peterson. 36, 35 years old, something like that on his last leg. You got Darius guys who can never manage to stay on his legs. And then you've got Peyton Barber. They signed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> forgot about, forgot about that. And then I think, oh, they got Bryce Love, another injured guy that they drafted last year. So it's a weird collection of guys in the backfield. And like, they could just muck that up even further by drafting somebody again this year. Yeah. And and I mean, it, it would seem weird to me that they draft a rookie running back uh, because they, I mean, all rookie running backs tend to have trouble with their blocking technique. And so when you look at this O-line, it would seem wild to me that that would be what they did. But you know what? Dan Snyder's his own thing. So yeah. we'll see. Anyway, I think we both agree. I, this might be the team I am most looking forward to overall, seeing what they do. Yeah, makes sense. And when I say looking forward to, I mean like drinking while watching this calamity (laughs) ensue. Sounds about right. Speaking of calamities, the Detroit Lions, uh, they have the number three overall pick. So uh, cornerback, obviously, edge, those are two positions of need. But running back is the one that we're most focused on. Kerryon Johnson, he's been great, but dude has missed 14 games over his past two seasons. So you have to imagine that they're looking for a compliment beyond LeGarrette Blunt here. Yeah, Bo Scarborough was the guy last year that, you know, kind of like LeGarrette Blunt Jr. Uh, comes yeah. in and actually was okay as a replacement, just like super, super limited. So yeah, I think they're definitely a candidate to take a running back that we care about. They're also very light at receiver. You know, they have Kenny Galladay, they have Marvin Jones, but he's coming off a big injury. And then it's Danny Amendola and a bunch of dust on the depth chart. So they're definitely a candidate to take a a receiver there. But they're also, again, just like Washington, they could trade down Mm -hmm. uh, with a team like the Chargers or the Dolphins, one of them trying to come up for a quarterback. So yeah, I think they're, they're definitely... I mean, they're not an intriguing team to uh, at all, but I think most of their picks will be spent on defense, but there's a chance that they could make some sort of impact on offense as well. Yeah, they uh, only have one second round pick. So a similar situation. I like the idea of them gathering picks as well. The Giants are next. Now the Giants, you would imagine, would Gettleman should in a situation uh, like this uh, <laughs> um, trade down, but history tells us that that's unlikely to happen. Also, I'm I'm ex- I'm just again when we're thinking about calamities ensuing like who times out on the clock yeah, who is yeah. the this guy right like he's the first G- did you he's see, the first did you see his uh, his his work from home setup like the the picture that, like that a dining room table yeah that was the thing that, that I'm glad you brought that up because I I said that yesterday that's the thing that is most surprising to me about that picture like well, not the most surprising, but I'm surprised it didn't get mentioned at all is like, yeah, he's got that big, weird binder 
st- stacked in front of him. You've got, you've got the lotion off to the corner, but look, you if anybody's out there washing their hands, you know your hands are cracked. I got like cracks all over my hands because I've been washing my damn hands so much. I get the lotion. That's whatever. You know, he has just the laptop, the one screen. That's a rookie move. But the chair that he's sitting on is like a spare dining room chair. And let me tell you what, buddy, your back is going to be toast by the time this quarantine is over. Uh, and I know you're a general manager. You can go afford to have someone ship you a nice office chair like your boy Harmon's got here. Okay, so Dave, get it together. I, I just want to hear you talk about the lotion some more. I mean, look, that's it, I, obviously lotion near the computer. There's plenty of jokes to be made. But the reality is, again, if you're washing your hands as much as you should be during the coronavirus pandemic, you need to make sure they're, they're, they're cracking up. Okay. That I've got, I got one here. I got this bandaid on, I've got one here. I've I got cracks all over the place. So that's just, you, you got to keep lotioned up as well. I think it's interesting. You went in on the dining room chair. I mean, I think of the things to nitpick about Gettleman, the way his posture is not on the top of my list, but, but sure. <laughs> I worked out of my bed this morning, frankly, like I was hiding. I was just sat up on a bunch of pillows and was working out of bed. Uh, not a move for the long term. Although oh, yeah. Telesco's not sitting on an like he's not sitting on a good office chair either. He's he's a younger guy, but his back is going to be in trouble too. But at least he's got the full room, multiple screens. Yeah, he, he's he's a he looks like a, also just a nicer looking house too. But that's a, beside the point. Okay, <laughs> well, uh, the Giants have the number four overall pick. We don't think they're going to trade down. They could. Anything's possible. If you're looking at their immediate needs, like. Offensive tackle is obviously huge. Nate Solder was their big acquisition last year, and he uh, gave up 11 sacks, according to PFF, last year. So, you know, that's not great. Probably they're going to take an OT here. But I would also, and I said this on the Rookie Snapshot pod with Eric Edholm, maybe there's a world in which in the second round, if Michael Pittman, who I know you like, you said last week, were to fall, if you look at this receiving core, it has been such a small ball offense. A lot of guys whose skill sets overlap with the exception of, oh, who's my Darius Slayton, my fantasy hero a couple of times last season. But they need like a nice, athletic, tough, hard-nosed possession guy. And I think Pittman could be that on the perimeter for them. I think that's a really good call. They definitely need you know, someone that's not just another slot receiver, but Evan Ingram also coming off an injury too, uh, obviously. So there's a chance they could take a tight end at some point as well. Also wouldn't mind someone better backing up Saquon Barkley than uh, your boy Wayne Peyton. Gallman. Wayne Gallman. That's right. Was Dion Lewis added as well? Oh yeah, that's, oh, I yeah. can't believe I forgot about this, but that's right. Dion Lewis was added. So yeah, they're probably not going to draft a running back there. Also another slot receiver though. Well, yeah, yeah. You gotta, again, you got to keep that. You got to keep that box for the Giants. Just one little square <laughs> of the field. That's all they can operate on. Right in the middle, short areas. That's it. I would love to see Michael Pittman and Danny Dimes have a conversation, though, because Pittman's got this like YouTube show with his girlfriend, USC. Dad was a running back. And like, I don't know. Danny Dimes is just I feel like that'd be an interesting personality meshing or not. Oh, maybe they can uh, split a pair of breadsticks when uh, all this is over. <laughs> Indeed. All right. So your Carolina Panthers are up next. Well, um, we'll slow down. <laughs> your Carolina Panthers. Thought I'd sneak it in. I don't know. From like a fantasy perspective, obviously like cornerback is big here. They need to fill the linebacking role that Luke Keekley. People forget about Luke Keekley's retirement. I think that's one of the like most forgotten about off-season stories that, that happened just months ago. 
Yeah, well, it feels like it happened a thousand years it does. ago. I'm like, it does. remember Luke Keekley? He had a great career uh, ten years ago. That was a fun time. Um, yeah, I agree. I don't really think they they have too much noise to make on offense. The one thing that I think, like, they got three good receivers. They have a maybe up and coming tight end. Like, there's not going to be that many passes to go around. They just give McCaffrey a big extension, obviously. But I think that's the spot that's interesting to watch with them. Is do they take? a running back at some point to lighten his load a little bit, as you've mentioned many times, does, can he continue to survive while taking all that punishment? So that's definitely something to watch for, but yeah, this, this team, they have the worst defense in the league on paper at this point. Like I can't, this is supposed to be my job. I can't tell you like, I can't tell you who their starting lineup would be. They're, they've got a bunch of clowns back there. I, I do think also adding to Ian, e, adding to the the tight ends might make sense. Like we Fair know point. that Ian Thomas is the next man up after Olsen's retirement and has been when Olsen was off the field dealing with usually foot injuries. But I, it wouldn't surprise me to see them take another developmental tight end here. There are an interesting amount of, of needs, but if, yeah, I, I agree defensively. That would be it. Also, real quick, because we didn't talk about this. When you talk about the CMC, you mentioned the extension, which was massive, making him the highest paid player at the position. I feel like more than you have advocated for the paying of running backs, right? Like, I mean, I think we're pretty much on the same page, but I also feel like you should be rewarded for being the best at the thing you do. And that is made all the more clear via the lens of versatility when you're talking about Christian McCaffrey because he is not just he is not just a running back the way that Todd Gurley in quotes is just a running back he does so much more and yet is not pigeonholed into like a gadgety type position yeah. the way that I don't know Tariq Cohen might be mm-hmm. so I think that there is also interest not just in the I find it fascinating not just the market evolution at the running back position but also the requirements for playing running back at an elite level and how those have changed along with the market. Yeah. He essentially plays a different position from a guy like even Todd Gurley, who was pretty good as a pass catcher in his peak years with the Rams. I think the biggest thing with the McCaffrey extension, and this is kind of an off field situation. Like if you're a Panthers fan, which I couldn't imagine being, if you're a Panthers fan, like, Sorry that this happened to you, but like, I mean, Luke Keekley is gone. Greg Olson is gone. Cam Newton is gone. Like, these are face of the franchise type guys. If they're like, nah, we just want to ship McCaffrey off for like two first round picks, or, you know, they 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 cash him in or whatever, which some people are advocating for. You're like, who the hell's on this team anymore? Like, who are you building around? It would be just a cast of uh, nobodies. It'd be like DJ Moore. Like, I guess I'm your franchise player now. Tough, tough scene there. Cardinals, uh, number eight overall. They also have a third plus four later round pick. So again, no second round pick for the Cardinals. Offensive line, D-line, edge, uh, uh, cornerback. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of like um, outside of the old line, a lot of defensive positions that need filling. But fantasy, please pair somebody with Kenyon Drake. I do not believe this man to be an every down back. I know the truthers don't like it when I say that, (laughs) but... I feel like there could be a 60-40 split here with someone more capable to help keep those legs fresh. They do still have Chase Edmonds, at least, uh, who flashed a decent bit last year. But he's kind of they're kind of redundant in terms of style. Yeah. Yeah, I I get that. Kyler's out here advocating for them to take CeeDee Lamb at at number eight overall. I'm like, hey, settle down, my guy. Okay. 
Pe- people, you don't need this many good receivers, okay? Let's let's yeah. let's be realistic here. I said it last week. I think Zach Moss would be a, a good fit here to pair with Kenyon yeah. Drake and just own the Makes goal sense. line there and and help. But we'll see what they do because, uh, as we already said, like there are a ton of needs on defense. I should also say, guys, like just to as an FYI, our own Frank Schwab, who you can follow on Twitter at Yahoo Schwab, wrote a division by division look at each NFL's team's needs. And it started on Wednesday. You might as well call it Blur's Day, which was the 15th of the month. Um, and he started with the <laughs> NFC West. So go ahead onto the website and check that out because it was interesting to see how he's pairing these things out. 49ers, another NFC West team. They traded into the first round via DeForest Buckner. They sent Emmanuel Sanders, who is now in New Orleans. So obviously wide receiver is a position of immediate need. Who do you like here? Well, I mean, I think CeeDee Lamb is the best receiver in the draft. And I think that any of these teams would be lucky to have them. They're interesting, though, because, again, they're a run-heavy team. I think they'd look I think Henry Ruggs would look really good there. Like he brings a vertical dimension that they don't really have. Debo Samuel was very good last year, but he's like the only thing in this receiver core that you can count on. Even if you're a Dante Pettis truther, he's apparently getting shopped around. I don't know who's trying to buy on that, but like still the outside I think he would bring something that they don't have in terms of speed. Obviously, you have Kittle and Debo's like underneath intermediate guys. I think he would be the best fit if they're taking a receiver there. L.A., I mean, does Vegas and the Jets take – I think they could end up surprising people and one of them taking rugs ahead of like Judy or CeeDee Lamb and then one of those two guys falls in their lap too. Interesting. I, I, we said last week that this was going to be like the meat, the receiver the, – the meat of the receiver picks of the first round um, in, the, in the sandwich of the first round. Um, I would love to see CeeDee Lamb go to someone creative like Kyle Shanahan, despite the fact that I think he's probably going to go to the Jets. You know, we talked about that, but it'll be interesting. I think we're both on board, though, that the 49ers are going to take a receiver in the first round. So one of those marquee names that we've been talking about over the past few weeks will end up wearing uh, red and gold. What color do the Buccaneers wear now? It's just gray and red. They like went back to their old ways, right? Yeah. Pretty much. It's not that neon orange, that Gatorade throw up orange no, anymore. No, no, not Gatorade orange. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they're they're like kind of their old uniforms. Tampa Bay. I mean, we're talking about Tampa Bay, obviously, probably the biggest free agent splash with Tom Brady uh, having been signed to a two year contract. They need an up. Obviously, like if, if like you need an offensive tackle here, right? Like you yeah. need somebody to protect this 43 year old who isn't known for his mobility and never has been known for that. But beyond yes. that, like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, can we make it happen? Where yeah. do we need what do we need to do to make that happen? Yeah. Whom's do we have to speak to to get uh to get uh C E H? That's not cool to say, actually. Let's just not do that. It's um, hard. Get, I've tried yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's. How do who do we have to speak to to get Clyde in Tampa Bay? I mean, come on, that that would be great because they are the team uh, on that article that I wrote about the weakest running back depth chart. They're number one to me uh, because, especially because the guy that they have is their number one guy, Ronald Jones, who the team quote believes in now more than ever. Okay, uh, I, he is a two. He's not like a proven pass catcher, and Brady certainly needs that unless he's going to get like Dare Agunglier. Uh, to well 70, done, Matt. You've been catches. practicing. 
<laughs> I mean, that's not the correct pronunciation. So. <laughs> yeah. And we know that Arians talked about wanting a pass catching back, coveting a pass catching back. We knew that when he had David Johnson, it, it will be interesting to see, though, like I have a feeling that I, I love Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I think he is absolutely special and different and a top. 50 overall prospect, maybe even 45, top 45 overall prospect. Love his game. But we did also see, and remember that, remember that Amazon show that was like not hard knocks, but yes, followed the season. Bef- yeah. So um, the, the Cardinals, when Arians was the head coach, did that. And there's, there's, you know, oh, yeah. video tape of Arians talking about talking about David Johnson, but not wanting to start him as a rookie, like wanting to wait. Yeah. Obviously, the situation is a little bit different, right? Because Rojo is not there's no like real veteran presence in that backfield. And Peyton Barber is now, as you've mentioned twice in Washington. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, though, if he just rolls him out, because I think if this happens, fantasy heads are going to be like, this is it. Clyde Edwards. He's going to be like the David Montgomery in terms of anticipation and overdrafting of last year to this year. That's a good point, and uh, it's just unfortunate they don't have a completely washed veteran like a Chris Johnson to throw out there. <laughs> but he didn't even – I mean, like, David Johnson did not see the field yeah, until right. no, Thanksgiving, right. Yep, his yep. rookie season. So That's a good point to make. Um, The Falcons are next. Vic Beasley – I mean, no one's crying that he's not there anymore, but he did account for, my gosh, uh, what, eight sacks of the 28 that – the Falcons managed in 2019. So they need an edge rusher. They even needed him when he was on the squad. So more now than ever. And they lost Austin Hooper, but got back Hayden Hurst. So I don't really, I don't know, cornerback maybe. It's all defensive here. You would think that they're, they're also rumored to be a team that wants to trade up. Um, or they want to make like a big splashy move. You would think that that would be for a defender. Um, I think they're set. At the wide receiver position, obviously adding uh, the great Laquan Treadwell for depth, uh, so that the they can put all these fancy, you know, all the look at all these first round picks we have. It's like, yeah, but right, why right, not? Right. This, this why is not on your this, radar like, still. Laquan Treadwell, give me a break. Uh, also, though, I think that, that for fantasy, like the spot here to watch is running back because they have Todd Gurley, but we all know what the situation is with Todd Gurley. Like they probably want to have, they essentially have the exact same backfield that they did last year, except. This time, playing the role of veteran with health question marks is Todd Gurley instead of Devonta Freeman. And you would hope that if he misses time or just needs someone to split the work with, they can throw somebody better out there than Ito Smith and Brian Hill and those goofballs. I think this is going to be a later round, a later round selection for their yes. backfield. I mean, Dan Quinn is a defensive guy. And there's no more Trufant there. Like, see, cornerback has to be the trade up move, I think. And they only have they have one second round pick, one third round pick, and then only three late rounders. So a yeah. lot of these teams have like, you know, five or six late rounders. Anyway, uh, the Cowboys. Well, I mean, I, I mean, the number one priority, forget by losing Byron Jones, that who cares about your cornerback? Who cares about that? You have got to fill the the hole oh, left. No. 
by Jason Witten <laughs> right here. <laughs> oh, no. Matt, I don't know if you know this, but he now plays for the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm reminded of that because he just actually came up on the episode of Boxed In I just taped before this, which is pretty unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, a lot of Jason Witten talk today. Actually, I've hit my quota for the next five months, but we, that's that's quite all right. But oh, they, no, they've got Blake Jarwin, who they signed to a contract extension. They love him, apparently. They're another. T- they're a team that I think could take uh, wide receiver depth, but that's probably about it for for fantasy. They they have some issues on defense that they certainly need to to look at. Also, maybe some interior offensive linemen as well. That makes sense, right? There was also just a quick note about Prescott. I don't know since we're. I mean, we we know about the like party, the quarantine breaking party. Though he is adamant that there are fewer than ten people at that party. Uh, Mike Florio reported that the. Um, talks between Prescott and the team have started up again and that Dak Prescott won't participate in the team's virtual offseason without a long-term deal. So they have until, what, July 15th, I think, to put pen to paper on this one. But this is also an interesting... Well, This is something to watch that's interesting. (laughs) Well, right, right. Um, But I think we should keep that in the back of our minds as the Cowboys are drafting because there could be a tell here. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Their division rivals, the Eagles, are drafting 21st overall. They also have they have a decent amount of picks, one in the second, one in the third as well, and then five late-round picks. Wide receiver. Sure, they need an edge. That's fine. But wide receiver is what I think it was made clear they need a ton of. They also lost, and I use that term in quotes, lost, Nelson Aguilar in free agency. Oh. Elshon Jeffrey probably not coming back. They want to trade him. I don't know how or why or who's buying, but that's something that's on the table. So, yeah, we they, go. they have one of the worst wide receiver rooms in the league, uh, especially when you take into account the fact that Jeffrey might not be there based on uh, his injury history and also his just lack of it. I don't think he wants to play for the team. And I don't think they want to. Yeah. They want Yeah, they want to. They want to have him play for them either. You got Deshaun Jackson, but that is like, I mean, after that, it gets rough, like. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside showed zero as a rookie, so I think their fans are going to be pissed if they don't take a wide receiver in round one. And it just, like, it comes down to who's your favorite there. I like Justin Jefferson there. Other people like Brandon uh, Ayuk uh, from Arizona State, who's a real uh, – he's a tough he's a tough evaluation for me. Uh, and then there's obviously Denzel Mims. I think if they don't get one of those guys, like one of those potential tier two receivers, I think, again, their fans are going to be pretty upset. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who they take. I think you're right. Jefferson makes the most sense. That's not where I want him to go. But I, I do see that it, it, you're right. It's it's any of the guys that who's your favorite at the spot? Who are their favorites at the spot? It's interesting because I think Mims, who you mentioned, is going to go to the team who's next on the board, the Vikings. There have been talks, obviously, Stefan Diggs now in Buffalo. So there's an immediate need in a hole at the position. I like Mims in Minnesota a lot. I think he brings like an unexpected toughness. I'd be interested to hear what you have thought in reviewing his tape. But I also don't think that like Tajay Sharp is enough to fill this hole. Like it's a nice ancillary piece. It's a nice complimentary piece. One of these guys, Mims or who is the other one you just said? Jefferson, I think will end up. It's going to these two guys are neck and neck for me at this part of the draft. Yeah, Jefferson seems pretty like redundant with Adam Thielen, like I think a, an inside outside right. versatility guy. Uh, so I think that they would be wise. To th- like a, Mims, I think makes a lot of sense because I really, I like him a lot. I think he has I love him. a great separation. 
I, I don't think there's an issue with him. The fact he has a lot of contested catches, I think, is just the nature of where he gets targeted on the field. I think he certainly needs some route refinement, but he shows a lot of potential as a separator. And I think it's just like the routes that he runs, he, he runs well. He just doesn't have like a full complement of the route tree, which is like it's whatever. I think there are plenty of players. He reminds me a lot of like Cortland Sutton. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Mims gets off to a slow start in his career. Sutton wasn't that great as a rookie, but then came on, you know, awesome in his second season. He feels like that that type of player to me. Uh, I, I love that you bring up Tyson Sharp, too, because – uh, the Vikings were, I think, number two or three uh, on my worst wide receiver depth chart article. And there are a lot of Vikings fans that are like, we got Tajay Sharp. Like he's I'm like, yo, Tajay Sharp is on a one year, one million dollar deal. The team doesn't even think he's going to be the guy. Don't trick yourself into thinking he's the guy. Be better than that. I agree with you. I also think that Mims is an interesting study because the Mims pre-combine evaluation and post-combine evaluation seem like two very different things. And I, in watching like his tape, he reminds me a lot of Alshon Jeffrey because of the contested catch. An early career Alshon Jeffrey, who remember was with the Bears, so I did watch an extended amount of him um, because of his ability in contested situations. So, ah, I don't know. I hope he goes in the first round. I really like him. I think a lot of people were like not high on him and then he blew up the combine and really performed well at the at the Senior Bowl, your favorite event. I was going to say, uh, of course well. you like him, Liz. He's a, <laughs> got a great senior bowl. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the Saints. They need a cornerback. They have not re-signed Eli Apple, so that makes sense. They might need a quarterback. Drew Brees is uh, attached to the team for two more years, and then his How ass is in you. the broadcast booth for a bunch of money. How dare you? They have Taysom Hill. Sure, future, if you want a gadget for life, under center, <laughs> under, under, can't even say under center. He's like, whatever he's doing. <laughs> yeah, whatever the hell he's doing. So obviously, with no Teddy Bridgewater, who's up, you know, the your franchise quarterback as a member of the Carolina Panthers now. Oh hell yeah! Oh hell yeah! You are you so excited by them? You got Will Greer and T- Teddy Bridgewater. This is your these are your days, bro. You growing this... your beard for Will Greer? No, I trimmed my beard yesterday. I thought that I was going to do the uh, I thought I was going to do the full like I'm not shaving during quarantine thing. And after like two weeks, I was like, I look like Sully <laughs> looks great. Sully hasn't shaved and I'm day. Our producer today is not yeah. shaved and he's yeah. looking Sully looks hot. Sully looks hot. It's not a good look for me. Let's, it's just t- different beards are different. That's the, the reality of facial hair. The Saints also, I think they need some receiver help, too. Because they have Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, as you mentioned. They have Jared Cook as well. But this is the type of offense to me where – or this is the type of season where you want to give Drew Brees as many players to work with as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think their depth chart beyond Sanders and Thomas is pretty weak at wide receiver. So they're a team – I've seen this pick mocked before too. They're a team that I think would look great with Brandon Ayuk on it. I think – I think Ayuk is a tough evaluation because I just have no idea how he's going to be against press coverage because you don't see him operate against it very often. And then when you do see a corner, like a good press corner, get up in his face, it's tough. So much of his big plays, and he averaged over 18 yards of catch last year, so much of them come against off coverage. But I think that's why landing with the Saints would be such a coup for him because they can move him around. He need. I think he can be a vertical threat in addition to being a good after catch player. So he he reminds me of like a Tyrell Williams in some ways because like those big plays Tyrell Williams would make on those slant routes, the crosses over the middle of the field. That was his bread and butter. But he could also get over the top. And I think I think Brandon Ayuk is the best 
deceptive route runner in this class, like tricking the cornerback into thinking he's going to do this and then do an X. I think he's the best in this class. But again, I have no idea how he's going to do against press coverage, but they have so many guys that can move around. Sanders can play inside. Thomas can play inside. They can play both play X and flanker. It would be a great spot for him to like go and thrive, I think. I like that you're mentioning wide receiver. I personally like Jalen Rager a lot to yeah. the oh, Saints. Yeah. Mostly because you look at, I mean, we talked about Taysom Hill. We're joking about Taysom Hill. Like, you look at what a creative mind Sean Payton is. I mean, he loves, remember the CJ Spiller years? Like, this dude loves a gadget. He loves a space player. Nobody is better in the open field in terms of a wide receiver in this draft class, I think, than Jalen Rager, who is like a video game character. I love watching him. I love the peace sign. So I would love to see, it's higher than people would project him, but I would love to see a creative mind like Payton's grab a hold of Rager and do a lot of the manipulated plays that they had to do at TCU and that he has like just come like he's just accustomed to as a player now. I mean, the the knock against him, right, is that he hasn't taken, quote, traditional wide receiver one reps. But if you are with Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas, what two better rets, that what two better vets to like learn under than them? So that's one. I, mean, I also think that a running back is not a wild idea here, like to pair with Alvin Kamara because Latavius Murray is 30 years old. Sure, he's coming off of a six touchdown season, but and maybe he doesn't have as much wear and tear as like a typical 32 year old running back might. But I still think that you know, maybe having some depth behind him, especially and you make an excellent point about Drew Brees being in a pretty tight window right here would make a lot of sense. They also um, don't have a second round pick either, just the 24th overall pick, one third and then three late round picks. So not a whole lot to work with, although the Saints have been one of those teams that regardless of money or number of picks have always managed to get really creative and get things done. Yep. Sully's team, the Seahawks, are next. They got they got a lot of needs. <laughs> There's a lot on both sides of the ball from a fantasy perspective. I think pairing another running back with Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, who's coming off of a knee injury, makes a lot of sense. And, you know, having a third receiver, like a possession-type wide receiver to complement DK Metcalf, who's route tree and evolution as a player certainly grew over the season, but isn't, you know necessarily the most reliable guy yet and Tyler Lockett who has struggled with injuries over the length of his career even if it hasn't been as recent and is is you know I think you've said he best performs in the slot even if he is able to do even if he is able to work the outside yeah I think a good like and they clearly want that third receiver too because they they picked up Josh Gordon in the middle of last year as well so um yeah they're 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 probably in the market for some receiver depth Probably in the market for some running back depth, but really, I mean, with them, I think it's mostly offensive line and then players on the defense will probably be the the first round pick Priorities. consideration. Yeah. Right. Um, well, and they have to, you know, they have two, uh, two second round picks so that, that that helps. Well, and I was talking with Sully before you you signed on and we all know that Clowney was basically a, a one year rental. He's probably not going to be back with the team. So that's a big hole to fill. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Packers are next wide receiver is super obvious. I mean, yes, it it also bears reminding everyone that the team did lose Brian Balaga in free agency 
And they're uh, Rick Wagner is 30 years old. So that's like a stopgap situation. Balaga is like one of the most well-known, beloved, reliable O-linemen in the league. So that's a major, major loss. So I do think they're going to prioritize the O-line. Um, but they got to get Aaron Rodgers in addition to protection, some weapons, as we discussed over and over again last year. I love Justin Jefferson here because of the reliability. Because he, I think, you know, you're not going to equanimity as St. Brown this pick and have the ire thrown at you oh, instead yeah. of the ball from Aaron Rodgers with a player like that. Yeah, I, I agree. I couldn't agree more. I think he'd be a great fit. I just kind of think they're going to get banged on like mm-hmm. some of these first round. Like Jefferson, there are some rumors that Denver might take him at 15. Like, you know, I think right. he could he could be long gone. As we mentioned, like the Vikings are ahead of them. The Saints are ahead of them. Like they could they could miss out on that second wide receiver run. And then you got to say to yourself, they, they also need a tight end, too. They have the kid from from last year's draft that, that he could be like a big time sleeper. But they that's a neat spot to it. They don't really have there's not really a great first round tight end option. So they could definitely piss off their fans, too, and pass on a pass catcher here. And in the first round, if they miss out on that wide receiver run, unless not to say his name again or to, to hammer the point. But I do think, you know, so much talk has been made about the depth uh, of this wide receiver class. And I do think in any other year, Michael Pittman would be a first round consideration and he's not this year. So this I do. And he, when you want to talk about winning and contested catches, you want to talk about like being productive. I mean, he was it for USC. And I, I think that that might be a good fit for him too. Plus he has NFL bloodlines. His dad was a running back. So there's introductions that I feel like, you know, might be made here. Reminds me of Allen Robinson. Uh, Michael Ditto. Pittman does. Yeah, I said the oh. same thing in my email. I said Allen Robinson as well. And I was nice. surprised because no one else was saying everyone. A lot of people were saying Vincent Jackson. And I thought the ceiling of his career, if given the practice reps, could be Allen Robinson. He's not that versatile yet, but he could get there. Yeah, he, he has the big wide receiver that wins vertical and in contested situations, but also I think has a lot of potential as a route runner that that was, that's what makes Robinson so great. A number one receiver, Ryan Clark, he's a number one receiver. Uh, he, he's, he runs routes really well. In addition to being a downfield threat and in contested situations, there are two teams who do not have a first round pick and they are teams that I support, I guess. Yeah. After, after taking heat <laughs> for Panthers BS on this podcast, <laughs> Let's uh, Brett called it the uh, first annual Loza Memorial Sadness Olympics. Also too soon, Brett mentioning the Olympics. And yeah, sadness. I was going to say that's Thanks. like a, a, in addition to one jab, he got another one in there, too. So I'm, I'm sorry I didn't have time to do a third boxed in episode this week, Brett, but I, I see how you <laughs> feel about it now. Unbelievable. Damn. Yeah. So the Bears don't have a first round pick. They have the the first time they will be picking is on the 43rd overall pick. They also have the 50th overall and then five late rounders. So cool, cool. Like, please replace Kyle Long. Please get a guard, Bears. I mean, like, I I don't know what else to tell you. Like, maybe also a center. Like, Cody Whitehair was fun to move around. Fun, quote, to (laughs) to move around. That was a thing that happened. Y'all need a safety. Again, if, like, so... I did see on one mock, this one blew my mind. And also I wasn't reading it objectively when it came to this pick, but but a site, another site, mock Jalen Rager here. And I was like, this is bananas. Like you already <laughs> have Tariq Cohen. What the hell are you doing? Do not, do not pass on a guard or a center for as much as I love Jalen Rager 
for that guy. It's redundant. Don't do it. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, I guess you could say it's a Taylor Gabriel replacement, right? Like, they they don't have a lot of depth behind uh, Robinson and Miller. Unless you want to, I mean, well, they do have Cordero Patterson. God, they got some weird, See? they got some weird ass players on this team. And of course, I mean, they sh- they've got the, they've got Jimmy Graham at tight end. I just always feel the need to mention the fact that they gave uh, Jimmy Graham uh, like $16 million this offseason, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. like right away. I, I, can't, right I can't wait until they like draft Colby Parkinson out of Stanford just because. <laughs> Sick. Just because he's a tight end. Uh, all right, the Rams, uh, the number 52 overall pick and the number 57 overall pick. Then they have two thirds and three late round picks. That was more than they had a week ago when you on this podcast broke the news that they were receiving a second round pick for sending Brandon Cooks to the Houston Texans. But but damn, we got a lot of needs here. Like this is Mother Hubbard's cupboard and it is looking real bare, like you know, like the target, the shelves at the target on March 14th. That's what this looks like. <laughs> exact great call. Yeah, this is like they're paying they're paying for their their salary cap sins much faster than most teams that find like how the Saints manage to avoid salary cap hell every year and then like oh less need less need has found himself right in it, baby. That ca- that came quick. Jared Goff's already like, yeah, I'll push, I'll push some money around. I guess I got to do this. So yeah, their roster sucks. Like they, they don't have on paper. They do not have a very good team on offense. Like fantasy wise, they look like they're probably transitioning to more of a two tight end offense because then that, that makes me worried about Cooper cup. Cause like you can't really play outside, but whatever they'll figure that out. The only fantasy spot that I think they could, they could make some noise at is again at running back because is Daryl Henderson good? I don't know. He had like 130 yards last year. Uh, Malcolm Brown has eclipsed 300 yards from they scrimmage love him, though. in his entire career exactly zero times. I Sean McVay said he's a fan of this this year's running back class too. Like that, I think they could they could take a back that immediately rockets up fantasy boards because they still showed that they could they have some holes on the offensive line for sure but they still showed they can be a good power run team at the end of last year they re-signed um their center the old guy was it why is his name escaping me the one who you lives in thousand Whit- oaks whitworth Whitman. the left tackle Wh- andrew whitworth right or left tackle uh they re so they re-signed the center is the one that's got on the rona oh right that's it there's so much like old line drama in in los angeles for these rams I would like to see them address the O-line more, I guess. But, I mean, there has got to be... Also, isn't it very, I don't know, predictable for McVay to say if he knows that they're going to off Todd Gurley, who was the face of the franchise for so long, that, or at least the successful face of the franchise while it was while it was burgeoning and, and looking good, that he's a fan of this year's running back class? Like, this seems like a late-round pick, and then, like, you're hoping that some undrafted free agent a la C.J. Anderson, as we've seen them do, like, ends up on the roster. Certainly could be. I think it just depends on how much faith they have in Henderson, who they took in the third round last year. Like, that's a that's pretty high equity for a running back. I just... Maybe maybe that is the tandem, Henderson and Brown, uh, who they do really like. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's possible. All right. Well, those are all of the NFC positions of need. Quick programming note. Uh, there will be one more rookie snapshot pod on Wednesday of next week. Eric, Ed Holm, and I will be discussing the quarterbacks. There are more than two guys. We're going to talk about five of them. And then we'll be in your pod boxes late Friday of next week after the draft with a recap of the first round. Oh, 
And uh, while you're on your computers and your devices a whole bunch, why don't you subscribe to Boxed In while you're at it? I've done an episode. Matt, you've done one or two. two. Why don't you, yep. what did you just, you just finished one. Tease the folks. We just, the, uh, earlier this week came out our Tiger King fantasy draft. And then next week, uh, the episode I just recorded is the biggest NFL draft bust of all time. Eric Edholm and I argue for two separate players and the legally certified judge, Andy Barons, did the judging. Oh, the Honorable Judge Barons will preside over that episode of Boxed In. Interesting. All right. Well, in the meantime, go subscribe to Boxed In while you're at it. And then you can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. Uh, you can follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF. And that is at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Send us your quarantine tips for sanity as well as other things on your mind. Make sure they're nice. Keep it nice. We're out.